I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We discuss who will win the Premier League rights in the next TV deal, the risks and rewards of streaming, latest news about the MLS TV rights deal, and your feedback in the listener mailbag segment. I'm Christopher Harris, aka The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host Kartik Krishnayar and special guest Carl Fansler. Carl, we had you on the show a couple of weeks ago. Your, uh, for, for listeners, uh, Kyle is a one of our newest members of the team. He's our junior content editor. So if you've been going to worldsoccertalk.com the last couple of weeks, you'll see a lot more original content, some great articles by Kyle, as well as uh, you can definitely see his influence on, on a whole range of articles. And we have a bunch more coming uh, basically almost da- daily. But Kyle... Um, for listeners who may not have seen your Twitter videos on Fridays, where you're giving kind of a preview, like a video preview of some of the games to look out for, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and uh, some of the teams or the, your favorite team. Yep. Uh, hello, all. I'm Kyle. I'm uh, from Florida. I went to the University of Florida, just graduated in the, uh, the spring of 2021. I got my degree there in uh, telecommunication, specialized in news and Soccer has really just been uh, the sport that I followed my whole life. I started playing it when I was four or five years old, uh, followed it, started following it, I should say, uh, when I was around nine or ten. And it was really around that time that I developed a, a passion towards uh, Barcelona, or for better or for worse, I should add. Uh, back then, I actually played at a tournament that was uh, co-hosted by them, or at least sponsored by them. And from that point on, I got to know uh well, I say I got to know. I got to follow uh, Messi and Barcelona, those great teams of 2009, 2011, 2015. And they're really the team that I support. But if I were to say if there was a league that I watch, it's obviously going to be the Premier League. Just the ease of watching it in the in the States and then just the, how intense the league is, how balanced it is. You don't know who's going to win the league every year, even though there are a handful of favorites. <clears throat> but... I'm really glad to be on World Soccer Talk. I really appreciate uh, Chris giving me the opportunity for that and to be able to uh, come on the podcast. It's just uh, it's great to be able to talk and write and learn more about soccer because, you know, I thought I knew so much about it. But then 
turns out that there's just so much more in-depth, whether that be on the broadcasting side or what you see on the field. It's just it's there's always more to learn, I say. Yeah, well, we're definitely glad to have you uh, as the, the latest member of the World Soccer Talk team. In a little bit, uh, we'll get to more the in-depth uh, kind of uh, discussion about TV rights. And there is so much to get to as far as the Premier League, Major League Soccer, uh, U.S. Women's National Team, U.S. Men's National Team. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But first of all, I mean, it was a busy weekend of uh, football last weekend, soccer, as well as a busy midweek. And uh, some of the games midweek in the Champions League, it was interesting because you look at the score lines and you look at Manchester City 6, RB Leipzig 3, uh, you look at uh, Milan, which looked like it initially it could be an upset there, but Liverpool storm back and win that one 3-2. And I think pretty much the only result you can probably look at and go, OK, well, Manchester United slipped up there, definitely, probably uh, substituting uh, Ronaldo a little bit too early and, and uh, being a little bit overconfident in that match. But you had Chelsea... Pretty comfortable uh, winners against uh, Zenit St. Petersburg. But one of the things we we were discussing earlier this week, uh, Kyle, you and I were, uh, about just the dominance of the Premier League, um, not just in the United States in terms of, you mean, the most watched league on U.S. television, but also in Europe. And, I mean, it's early days, right? It's only the the first... uh, uh, game week of um, the Champions League, but do you think we can see again even kind of a domination by the Premier League teams in the Champions League this season, or do you think this is a little bit more competitive with with the PSG? I think it's funny. Uh, soccer, at least in the Champions League, seems to flow in some kind of cycle. Like there was that that time ten years ago where Manchester United was in three finals in four years, Chelsea won the Champions League final, and now we're starting to see that again. There was a span where for a long time, I would say about six or seven years, there were no English teams in the Champions League final. And last season, we see two English teams Champions League final. So we're starting to see these Premier League teams reassert their dominance in Europe. And I think for a lot of them this season, it's not just a goal to go far in the Champions League. It's to win the Champions League. you got Chelsea. They are obviously the defending Champions League winners. And you could argue they bring back an even better squad than the team that won the trophy last year. Manchester City, they bring back pretty much the same squad as last season, and they reloaded the likes of Jack Grealish. Uh, they are expecting to you know, go far in the Champions League, want to win it. Uh, Manchester United, they're, they're, in my opinion, one of the best teams in England, uh, despite the recent result against Young Boys. And I really think that they have the firepower. Obviously, Ronaldo has that winning pedigree. And I really think that the English teams are the favorites. Now, obviously, I would say if there was one team that I think is the favorite, it's PSG. I mean, I do think that they're going to win it in the long run. But if I were to say if there were two teams or outside of PSG that were going to go to the Champions League final, I would say it's Chelsea and Manchester United, uh, you know, rematch of the 2008 final, um, because those teams are so deep and they're so loaded. The The competition that they face in England, I think, makes them better in Europe because each week you have to be good in England just to compete on the league level, just qualify for the Champions League. And so you bring that into what you play against in the Champions League and your teams are just so good. And, you know, the rosters they have, the star power they have on offense, midfield, defense and goalie. I think that the English teams are just, I would say that they are back in 
layman's terms. Yeah, it's interesting too. But uh, you, you look at the different leagues uh, in Europe. You look at uh, Ligue 1 in France, and you look at PSG. And it's, I mean, I'm sure week in, week out for in the French league in Ligue 1, it's going to be a, pretty much a cakewalk. Uh, I mean, Lille, I'm sure will will challenge and, and Lyon, etc. But it's it's going to be PSG winning that league. Uh, and um, I, I don't know. I think PSG, especially the balance of having those three attacking forwards. Uh, you know, up front, it, there's going to be a kind of an unbalance when they play in the Champions League, and and I, I can't see uh, Pochettino. I mean, benching. I mean, either Messi, Neymar, or uh, Mbappe. So that that's. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll do well, and it'll be a, a glamorous team to watch. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to be any any Champions League favorites there. Bayern Munich, always a strong team, and, and we saw that uh, midweek too as far as, I mean, pretty much uh, easily beating uh, Barcelona. Um, but Bayern usually slips up you know, in the, the semifinal stages. Uh, that's probably the best bet in, in Germany. And then you look at the, the rest of the leagues and you look at, you know, I mean, Spain. I mean, Real Madrid is definitely not anything like, like they were before, Barcelona with, with their problems. So it, it keeps on coming back to the Premier League. So you mean whether it's Manchester City, whether it's Liverpool, whether it's Manchester United, whether it's Chelsea. I mean, it's going to be really, really difficult, I think, for um, not to see uh, at least a couple of those teams in the semifinals, uh, if not further. But in the meantime, we're going to segue kind of into talking about uh, the TV rights and everything that's been happening with that. And that's just been a, a huge story. All right, Kartik, so... Actually, before we get into the whole TV rights, and, and there's a lot to get to, but let's first of all look at you mean, this past week in, in what we've been watching. But I don't want to go into a lot of detail, but was there anything, any kind of uh, main story or something that you, you uh, gleaned, um, whether on the field or off the field, uh, from this past week? Yeah, I guess um – that I'm watching more Premier League than I have, and I know it makes me sound really like a hypocrite because for years on this podcast and on Twitter and on other podcasts, I've advocated Americans being more cosmopolitan than they're viewing. But the Premier League this season seems more interesting with the outflow of players from the continent uh, and all the financial restrictions so many of the top sides on the continent have. Also have to admit, because of that, I'm now watching more South American soccer. Obviously, always watched, uh, uh, kept an eye on Copa Libertadores, but checked out some uh, some Brazilian Serie A action uh, on Sunday. Liked what I saw, and uh, probably going to keep uh, keep an eye on that league. So, uh, so is it, it, viewing habits are changing partly because of so uh, so so South, Amer- South American football. Is that to kind of uh, look at the pipeline of what's coming through for the Premier League, or, or was it just a of other interest? Both. Both, yeah, because so for those who don't know, because of Brexit, the work permit rules have changed for entering the United Kingdom uh, for Premier League and Championship clubs uh, to sign players and uh, Scottish clubs as well. So basically, it's going to be easier now for Premier League and Championship clubs to sign guys coming from the Brazilian league and the Argentine league and harder for them to sign guys who are not full internationals coming from leagues on the continent. Now, I think that that's going to have a huge impact long-term on what the league looks like, 
but yeah, so that that's part of my thinking is that I need to, uh, if I'm going to follow the Premier League as closely as, as as I want to, I need to be more up on particularly Brazil and Argentina. Uh, those two leagues are, look like they're going to be more feeder leagues for the Premier League. We already saw it this summer, right? We're already mm-hmm. seeing, we've seen it in the past, but the work permit rules have changed in the UK. Just the, the, the quick summary, and it is now much easier to sign South American players who aren't full internationals. They used to have to have 75% of uh, have played in 75% of their nation's competitive matches, which for Brazil and Argentina is impossible, right? It's only the elite of the elite that get that. So now it'll be easier to sign um, just regular Brazilian and Argentine players and harder to sign guys who are French or Belgian or, or whatever. So this past weekend, uh, the one thing I do want to talk about is uh, streaming. And and uh, I teased it in the opening of the show, talking about the risks and rewards of streaming. And there are a lot of rewards. I mean, you can get to watch practically any game from around the world. Uh, I can have, I mean, two ga- two games on at once. I, if, I, if you want to, I can have six games on two different screens. The, the opportunities to watch, you mean, the beautiful game more than ever before are at our fingertips having said that between peacock crashing on saturday and then espn plus having audio video sync issues in that first half of the real madrid game on sunday then you had uh, the midweek champions league which i think it was more uh transmission issues but you had a few blue screens of death that they were dealing with and i and i think we saw that on television just as well as uh, paramount plus also but it hasn't been a greatest week for streaming by any means and there are a lot of rewards but there are a lot of risks too because uh the the whole concept of streaming is still not built out completely so it's a lot of inconsistencies as far as even when games are available on demand uh peacock versus paramount plus versus espn plus uh, we did a side-by-side comparison recently to compare and, and grade those uh which ones are doing better than others but um yeah, it was not good content, and especially Saturday, right? Saturday, you had, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo debuting in his game, and that was a game I was interested in. But there was a ton of other games I wanted to watch, and we just kept kept on getting error messages, trying to watch it, and NBC had to go ahead and just shift all those games that would uh, have normally been on Peacock to the NBC Sports app which is more stable. And at that point, it's like, okay, why even bother having Peacock streaming these games if you're going to just rely on something that's more stable, NBC Sports app that had no issues? But it wasn't a good start on Saturday. Um, I hope for this weekend, especially Spurs against Chelsea, which is my game of the week to watch, on Peacock, on Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern. But Kartik, this stuff shouldn't be happening now, right, with Peacock? It shouldn't be happening, but uh, I guess I rewarded them for it by going back and watching every match almost in its entirety because they did do a good job of getting everything on demand. Well, I mean, I guess the Peacock games are on demand anyway uh, after they, they finish. It's the uh, matches that are on linear television that, that there's a lag. But, yeah, it, it, this should not be happening. I don't know why they're continuing now. What is it? July of 2020 is when they launched. So what are we now? Um 14 months into this thing to have having all of these technical issues. It seems like there's constant technical issues with Peacock, even things as basic as um, 
not being able to keep a stream up for an entire match. Oftentimes, and I know you and I have uh, talked offline about this, uh, having to exit out of a match at halftime and re-enter it on the, on the app because there's something clunky going on. There was a match earlier in one of the first three weeks of the season that I can't remember which match I was watching on Peacock where uh, the second half, it didn't come back. It just kept having that, that graphic coverage will resume. And then I exited it and came back in and it was like the 49th minute. So clunky things like that happening um, with Peacock. Uh, This having been said, I think NBC and Premier League fans better get used to this for the rest of the season. I think NBC is, is, is pushing more and more, onto Peacock uh, and will um, as the season wears on because of the, the imminent closure of NBCSN. And also I think their um, desire to actually see if they can, they can uh, maximize new subscriptions and new signups via um, this app because of the Premier League. Yeah, it should be interesting to see. I mean, hopefully NBC retains the rights and we'll get to that a little bit later. But if they don't retain the light, the rights and they find out over the next few weeks that they've lost the rights, do they say – do they pull a, uh, I don't know, um, uh, yeah, Champions League uh, a bleacher report and say, okay, ah, in that case, you mean, we'll give it the rights back? Obviously not. But do they go ahead and put everything on Peacock for the rest of the season and, and just, <laughs> uh, just kind of uh, punish us? I don't think so either. But, uh, but it, it will be – Interesting, Kartik, to see. Hopefully, Peacock won't have any issues this weekend. But by this point, they should not be surprised in terms of the amount of people hitting the Peacock site, the signups, how many people are watching games. They've got, like you said, a good, like, what, 12 to probably about 14 months of data uh, to be ready to withstand that. What I would say, though, is that... um, from the coverage I did watch, it's it's good. It's it's back to a high level on NBC. I think last season, especially with COVID, that had an impact. But you saw a lot of uh, a lot more of the say the, the two Robbies doing some the tactics board. Uh, you saw the the pitch sides um, with the uh, NBC cr- uh, crew at Ellen Road uh, before the match. That was really good. And um, Rebecca looks fitter than ever. Um, so they're definitely giving it a good a good shot, and also they just announced this week too that they're going to be doing another fan festival. This one on the west coast of the United States uh, in October in Los Angeles at the Memorial Coliseum, an outdoor event. Which that one that was a World Cup final, Kartik, right? That one holds like what. 80,000, 90,000, 60,000. Uh, maybe it's been a while since I've watched a soccer game at LA Memorial Coliseum, but they're, they're, they're going for it. They're definitely putting the best foot forward um, and hoping that that has an impact on the uh, TV rights. Kartik, what about you? So I mentioned Spurs, um, Chelsea this weekend, must, mat, must watch match. Uh, what about you? Everton Aston Villa, uh, which is uh, the Saturday twelve thirty p.m. kickoff. Uh, Everton have started the season so well, playing a completely different brand of football under Rafa Benitez than under Carlo Ancelotti. We've seen this before because uh, those two guys seem to always manage the same clubs, right? Real Madrid, Napoli, uh, now Everton, and the football has always been different under Benitez. What Benitez has done is he's brought in uh, Damari Gray and uh, Andros Townsend, two really undervalued wide players, Gray, who uh, fl- um, largely flopped at Leicester, quite honestly, was on a really good Leicester team. Maybe that was part of it. He couldn't get games when you're competing with the Harvey Barnes, those sorts of players, uh, high-end players, uh, Mark Albrighton. 
etc. Went to Leverkusen, didn't do very well. Uh, same thing with uh, with Townsend, who's faded the last few years at Crystal Palace. That has changed the way um, they play. They're, 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 they're playing really quick uh, through wide areas, countering brilliantly. They, they've had, I think, uh, outside of maybe Liverpool, the, the best-looking counterattacks in the league this season. Aston Villa, obviously bad first match against Watford, but since then, uh, in spite of the results, playing some really brilliant football. Badia in the middle for uh, uh, coming over from uh, from Norwich. Uh, I, I just think that this is going to be an exciting game, an entertaining game. Maybe it's not the most important match of the weekend, but to me will probably be the most entertaining match for the neutrals. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. And the first item... Um, it's not the biggest one and not the title of this podcast, but it is an important one. Uh, this is a change, Kartik. This is a sea change in the recent rights history of covering the sports in this country. Or it could be. It could be. So I'll have you uh, let, let uh, listeners know what it is. Yeah, so ESPN and Fox are um, reportedly not – the favorites in bidding on the U.S. women's national team and men's national team rights per Grant Wall's new subscription uh, Substack uh, service, and, and he tweeted us a teaser on it. Uh, now, uh, th- keep in mind, the U.S. Federation rights have been delinked now from the MLS rights. They, some no longer marketing the U.S. Uh, men's and national uh, men's uh, and women's national team media rights. I'm not sure what's happening on the marketing side, so um, I'm not going to jump and make the assumption that they're out on the marketing side also, but on the media side. So the U.S. Federation is going to be um, selling these rights as a standalone package. And according to Grant Wall, and quite honestly what you and I both here, Chris, also, um, ESPN and Fox are not the favorites. There's a lot of interest uh, from the U.S. Uh, uh, from, from the U.S. Federation. There's a lot of uh, confidence in the U.S. Soccer Federation that there are other potential bidders uh, that would be interested, whether it's NBC, whether it's CBS, um, Amazon Prime, uh HBO Max, Discovery Plus, I don't know how that will shake out since they've kind of now been linked together in, in the uh, spinoff from AT&T. But um, one of those streaming services, DAZN is always a potential player. Uh, we saw DAZN. I uh, should mention, uh, Chris, sorry to, 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 to interject this. I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast. I, I watched uh, Women's Champions League on DAZN this past week, and uh, their coverage is, uh, is, is really good the way they present things. So um, obviously uh, that's uh, – that's a pay service. The champ, Women's Champions League is being offered for free, but the rest of the zone is a pay service. But they could be a player as well. So really exciting uh, exciting time because I think one thing that may be depressing U.S. men's national team rights in particular, Chris, is on the English language side, the kind of formulaic um, – as much as we, we, we laud ESPN's coverage, I think it's become very – Routine. The ESPN has been covering the, the 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 U.S. men's national team for basically thirty years now, and while um, they do a very good job, it's just very kind of comfortable, and you know you get used to it and maybe get bored with it after a while. Fox, we we could go into a whole critique of their coverage, but this is why I think there's been so such a a great reception for CBS covering CONCACAF matches. I don't know that it's necessarily that CBS is spectacular. I think it's just that there's something different covering the uh, men's uh, national team. And people are, are are buying into that, buying into the different um, 
the different formula for how they cover, the different kind of um, presentation style they give than ESPN and Fox. So um, I, I, I think that this very well could be something that improves the visibility uh, of the national teams and also gets fans excited if they move to a different partner. Yeah, CBS Sports, you have to think that uh, in terms of what they've done with soccer in the last couple of years, we've never seen the level of coverage that the, uh, the UEFA Champions League has gotten with uh, with any broadcaster now that CBS is doing it. I mean, a lot of the pre-games in terms of the talent that they're bringing in, um, just the commitment levels are off the charts. I mean, you mean whether you like it or not, it, it, it is really, really... A huge cast of people, a lot of talent, a lot of commitment, a long day of work, a lot of pre-match, post-match. Post-match is long. I mean, you go back a few years ago when Fox had the rights, uh, sometimes the Champions League game would be over. It would be maybe like five minutes or ten minutes of wrap-up, and then off you go to, I don't know, who knows, a talking head show or whatever it was. You look at Serie A the commitment levels that they've made to that league in terms of uh, creating a whole uh, show around those broadcasts, those games. So pre-game, halftime, post-match, again, bringing in a lot of talent. Um, and, and the CONCACAF, yeah, CONCACAF. CONCACAF has never looked so good. CONCACAF used to be a joke in many ways. I, th- I think CBS Sports has helped out CONCACAF major, big time, in raising the profile of that confederation. I mean, we know about the corruption. We know about, you mean, uh, what, the, the verb CONCACAF, and, kind of, and people would j- joke about it and laugh about it. But con- CONCACAF seems a lot more prestigious now that it's on CBS and in all the treatment that they've given it. Again, a 90-minute uh, pregame show for one of the uh, U.S. World Cup qualif- qualifiers recently uh, Fox had had no pre show uh, pre game show for the game that they showed in the uh, World Cup qualifiers. The, the the Turner Sports side of things is interesting, Kartik, in terms of one of the contenders for the rights to these uh, games, and and that is, I mean, like you said, it could be possibly to acquire the rights to put those games on HBO Max. We know that um, NHL games, some of those games will be on HBO Max, or it could be the new Warner Discovery uh, Plus merger. And then putting some of those games on Discovery Plus uh, next year once that is approved. Yeah, so it, it's interesting, right? I mean, and and who knows? Maybe maybe Fox still gets the rights. Maybe ESPN still gets the rights. They're not the favorites. And and the reason why that Fox are not the favorites and ESPN's not the favorites is because a lot of these games are not going to be high profile games. It's going to be you're not going to have the World Cup qualifiers going into the 2026 World Cup. Uh, it's it's very likely that you won't because the U.S. and Mexico uh, and Canada, we believe, will be automatic uh, hosts and won't have to qualify. So not a lot of sexy games to choose from to, to profile on, on television. Yes, but you might get some higher profile friendlies out of the fact that the U.S. is going to have to play more friendlies because currently uh, the U.S.'s uh, friendly roster is uh, – they, they'll make the occasional trip to Europe and they've, and they've done their best with that. But I think that you might – there might be a little more value in the package. I don't know that CONCACAF qualifying outside of the Mexico game is that much of a driver to be honest. I'm not, not saying it isn't difficult. Obviously, the U.S. didn't qualify last time, and we've already seen them drop points at, to Canada at home in this uh, octagonal, but I don't know that it's necessarily the sexiest thing for television outside the Mexico game. Um, 
but we'll see. And then on, on the women's national team side, I think that there is more interest in that program than ever and more of – we're recording this podcast on Thursday morning. <laughs> More um, controversy uh, around the program and their relationship with the Federation than ever. So um, I, I think that that's a driver also. And, and if you're if you're Fox and ESPN, you have to think about the potential hit of losing the women's national team rights um, and what that might do to your overall brand. And I think it, particularly for ESPN, it might be difficult because they put a lot into not only the women's national team broadcast, but into um, uh, documentaries and other um, bumper programming, shoulder programming for ESPN plus and for um the ESPN linear channels on women's national team and on on specific women's national team players that they have not done with the men. Uh, so mm. uh, that that is something they're going to have to think about. So we're going to get to the uh, Premier League news in a minute, but uh, I do want to mention Major League Soccer too because their rights are up for bid. So their rights will end with the 2022 season and will begin with the 2023 season. But they've already started negotiations. So earlier this summer, we had uh, Fox, ESPN and Univision as the current rights holder. Um, those three had a, a window of uh, exclusivity where they could uh, discuss and negotiate and, and talk to Major League Soccer about uh, having an opportunity to renew those rights or to discuss what more they would like or even th- those finer details. Now that that window has closed, now it's open. It's going to be open for others to start bidding on that. So we understand that the the, the actual deadline is going to be coming up pretty soon, where all of the different parties who may be interested in bidding for these rights uh, can do so. And in the sky's the limit as far as the possibilities here, because there's a lot of streaming companies, tech companies, TV companies. They're extremely interested in Major League Soccer. They've got a lot of games, a lot of teams, a lot of content. So everyone from CBS Sports, HBO Max, Amazon Prime Video, Discovery Plus, Apple TV Plus, Tudo NA, Fox Sports, ESPN, DAZN, and possibly maybe Fubo TV and others, there's a lot of tech and TV and media companies out there that would be interested. Now, I interviewed... Um, Seth Bacon from Major League Soccer. He's the Senior Vice President of Media at MLS and Soccer United Marketing. And I asked him, too, about like how Major League Soccer is positioned and whether he believes that they can capitalize on the growth of digital streaming. And he said, we, we've got the full interview um, at worldsoccertalk.com, but I'll just uh, take out uh, one of his quotes. And he says, we've got the youngest fan base in North American sports. We have a very tech-savvy, digitally native fan base and a very unduplicated fan base. You can't access our fans by getting other properties. We have a very unique set of fans who consume our products, whether on linear television or digital. When you look at the metrics that really matter, Gen Z, multicultural, tech savvy, Major League Soccer has the best metrics across the board in all these areas. When you think about the way the world is shifting from a media standpoint and how consumption habits are going to change, our sport is perfectly positioned for the next evolution of how people consume live sports. So in this round of bidding for Major League Soccer rights, I I think the streaming side, to me, is going to be the most interesting because there's so many different players that could be 
uh, that will be interested in those rights. The television side, I'm not so sure. The television side, I don't see a lot of changes there. I think Fox still needs those rights for Major League Soccer. I think they definitely... I, I, th- I think it's still want to be a kind of long-term partner, especially going into the 2026 World Cup. They want to f- feature those Americans, and it, that American message is very important to Fox and, and how they uh, broadcast, and you know, whether it's Fox News or, or Fox Sports. Uh, ESPN, who knows? CBS, I mean, and, and Tudor Any, I'm sure, is interested. ESPN most likely is interested. CBS Sports, I'm sure, it's going to be really competitive. So the timing of this is really ideal for Major League Soccer. However, there's something big in the way, Kartik. And that thing is is the Premier League. So the Premier League rights uh, are up for bid. Um, and in a huge, huge announcement this week, uh, or actually uh, kind of a revelation this week, is that the Premier League uh, confirmed to Bloomberg News that um, the rights are going to be up for bid. Normally, in, in these circumstances, when you have a long-term relationship with somebody, somebody like uh, Comcast, uh, a.k.a. NBC Sports, is that you try to figure out a way to, to renew those rights and continue that relationship because it has been working so well for both NBC Sports and the Premier League. By the Premier League saying, OK, well, actually, we're, we're going to put these up for bid and see what happens and see if, see if um, CBS Sports or ESPN or whoever comes in for these rights. And, and let's see how much money we can get from this. That is a huge change. And it's something that um, now moves NBC Sports to not the number one top dog, but they're going to be battling you mean, everyone. And that opens it up to enormous amounts of money in terms of how much more uh, those rights are going to be because you're in a competitive landscape with the different media companies bidding against each other. Um, this changes everything, Kartik. This com- absolutely, you I mean, definitely puts NBC sp- Sports in a very, very difficult position because they know that in order to get to continue this, they're going to have to pay up big time. Yeah. And the the big question I think for NBC is, is it worth it? As I've pointed out, Time and again, uh, NBC has had at various times, and they weren't owned by Comcast at the time. I should point that out. Uh, preface what I'm about to say by pointing that out. Uh, they were owned by General Electric, but at uh, various times in their G in NBC Universal's GE ownership, you saw a pullback from live sports programming and a focus on uh, things that were uh, tape uh, sitcoms, uh, entertainment, and even at one point the the decision by NBC that it was cheaper to have Jay Leno on every night in prime time uh they caused all kinds of problems for the network remember then the cost of taping a sitcom and, and going and, and doing the things that you have to do uh, uh to film a uh, a, a weekly series um it's much cheaper to just have uh, a, a comedian on set and, and, a, and the Tonight Show in prime time. That blew up in their faces, as everyone knows, at the, the uh, Conan and Brian thing, everything, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get into it. But they have a history of doing this, of making a calculated decision that sports programming is too expensive and they're going to pull back. Whereas ABC, Fox, and uh, CBS have no such history. They've just continued to bid, 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 bid up for, for sports programming, live uh, sports programming, uh, ABC now really uh, being ESPN. So um, that makes me think that this is, is, is iffy, whether the, if, it, if, the, if the $2 billion 
um, number, and I know we're going to get into this in listener mailbag a little bit, uh, the $2 billion number we've heard is the number that the Premier League is going to be looking for. If And my, I have some concerns as to whether NBC is going to be willing uh, to pay that. Real quickly on the Seth Bacon interview, I think he's right about the demographics about of MLS. I also think MLS has been very smart in the markets they've entered recently. I would say St. Louis and Miami don't do much, uh, but Austin, Nashville, and uh, uh, Charlotte, those three markets are emerging markets with uh, younger demographics, more young professionals, more um, what we would call kind of hipsters, especially mm-hmm. Nashville, Austin. Charlotte has a very uh, vibrant, young professional set. A lot of people actually from Florida who are young professionals are, are gravitating to Charlotte and Raleigh-Durham. Those are two major destinations. I think MLS has done a great job in going into the markets they've gone into. I know the crew thing was really uh, uh, horrible how it, it, it went down, but they kept their team at when it was all said and done. And MLS smartly wanted to be in Austin, and Anthony Precourt smartly wanted to be in Austin. So uh, I think they're very well positioned for this next TV deal, not only because of the, the shift to streaming, but because of their a savvy in what markets they would expand to. No other uh, major professional sports league in the United States has, has expanded to Austin. Um, I think that's incredibly savvy and uh, putting a lot on Nashville and Charlotte, too, I think are, are very smart. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a relationship between these two different things. So uh, there's a reason that we're talking about it at the same time, because the rights for the Premier League, whoever it goes to, it's probably going to have a domino effect. So, for example, if um, if ESPN comes in and bids two billion dollars for the, the rights to the Premier League for the next six years, um, that may change the way they think about Major League Soccer rights. They might say, okay, well, having spent, uh, what, 1.5 or 1.4 billion on, on La Liga and now 2 billion plus on uh, the Premier League, hypothetically, you mean, then are they like, okay, well, actually, maybe Major League Soccer, maybe we won't bid as much on that one. Maybe we'll kind of pull back a little bit and let somebody else uh, go with that one. Um, vice versa for all of all of these broadcasters, the, the domino effect of the Premier League rights being up for bid first is going to factor with, you mean, for example, CBS Sports. If CBS Sports doesn't get the Premier League, does then CBS Sports double down on Major League Soccer and actually bid more and say, hey, we need MLS because we missed out on the Premier League. We've got to get a big league. We've got Champions League, we've got Serie A, but we need to really be kind of the soccer network. Uh, <laughs> it's fascinating times, Kartik, because like, like, when you look at it, so NBC Sports needs the Premier League because of Peacock. Peacock without the Premier League is WWE and The Office. And, and even then, it's there's not much content on there. Uh, other than that, really, they're, they're trying, but it's nowhere near as good as HBO Max or Disney Plus or or any of these other uh, stream, streaming <laughs> yeah. services. Netflix, so it's, it's in a completely different category. So NBC needs it desperately. They've seen the success that they've had, but in order to keep it, they're going to have to pay more than double what they pay currently. And the billion dollars that they were paying currently over the six years, they were complaining about that. I mean, some of my sources were saying that they were saying that they had a difficult time trying to break even. So paying two, double that. But but then you look at ESPN. Kartik, if ESPN got the Premier League, you mean what, what, what would happen? Oh, jeez. 
I don't even want to con. Well, I shouldn't say I don't want to contemplate it because I think it would be it would be great for the Premier League to be back on ESPN. Uh, the Premier League has had previous stints on ESPN, as we know. Uh, they split the rights with Fox for a few years, and um, uh, from 2009 to 2013, and then had the, had the rights uh, exclusively until 1998 when it was a throwaway property. But um, they, they they would occasionally show games on tape delay. I think it would it would increase the scope of the Premier League in this country beyond um, beyond where it is in terms of the ESPN hype and marketing machine. However, I think at the same time there is this issue of the Premier League being a property that's kind of lumped in with other soccer properties, with La, La Liga and the Bundesliga in particular, right, in terms of top European leagues. So the Premier League probably likes the, 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 the way NBC presents the league as this kind of standalone major league and everything else is less important. Everything else is, from an American mindset, a minor league, right? And the Premier League is the major league. And you constantly have commentary on NBC, well, this guy played in Spain, but maybe he's not good enough to play in the Premier League. Well, I, I, that's it's ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, we heard it again this week about Saul, who had a bad bad match at Chelsea uh, opening match but the analysis right away on NBC in the studio was oh well he doesn't have you know this is a step up playing in the Premier League so I think the Premier League likes the way NBC presents the league as as the major league the NFL versus all of these other you know minor leagues these lesser which would be like spring football right (laughs) in the American mindset but um I, I don't know that NBC is going to have the ability to keep it. So ESPN would be the best bet among other options because of the way they can hype the product. Although I have to say the idea of potentially being on someplace like Discovery Plus or HBO Max may mainstream the Premier League quicker uh, among non, non-sports fans. Uh, because what we see is a lot of fans of English football in this country don't wa- don't watch other sports. Um, mm-hmm. So that to me is kind of an interesting potential. Maybe there's more uncertainty about that, but that could end up blowing up. I'm uh, uh, not blowing up in their faces, doing the opposite, being a, like this massive blow up of popularity of the Premier League if it's on a streaming platform that appeals to kind of more upper income, uh, well-educated people, which is kind of – dialing back, Chris, in our many conversations with NBC through the years, part of the attraction of the Premier League for them, as well as the NHL, which they've now lost, which is now, as you mentioned, going to be partly on HBO Max, is the demographics of the Premier League fan, which skews towards kind of more upper income, suburban – English dominant in, in terms of their speaking, uh, their, mm-hmm. their language, than soccer fans in general. So um, that is something that might be very attractive for an HBO Max, Max or Discovery Plus. So I would argue, though, Karthik, that the NBC of today is different than the NBC of 2013 when, the, when they first got the rights. Uh, within the next few months, it's kind of uh, the, the secret that everybody knows, that, I mean, is that NBCSN is going to get shut down. And that uh, most of the sports program is going to be moved to USA Network and Peacock. And, and yes, you'll still have games over the air on NBC. 
And we have to remember, too, and this is a story that we had the exclusive on and reported about six months ago or maybe nine months ago now, is that the NBC, uh, the Premier League was completely blindsided. They had no idea that uh, NBC was going to go ahead and shut down NBCSN. They had no idea and they were furious about it. So there's been missteps along the way. We love NBC. We love. We know a lot of the people that work there. Uh, we've interviewed them. We've gone on behind the scenes uh, tours. We we've met with them. To, I mean, we've spoken to them or at least corresponded with them on a weekly basis for the last eight years. So we know that they're talented and they've done a great job with the Premier League. But I would argue that this today, NBC is not the same from 2013, partly because the streaming, the streaming issue with Peacock, it's cheap, it's good, but there's issues there, uh, certainly. Uh, on, the, on the Spanish language side, which is a whole other conversation, but Telemundo is a good broadcaster, as is uh, Universo. So they're, they're strong and they have access to you know, NBC over the air, um, which is a, you mean, a big kind of uh, opportunity to, to have games on big-time NBC. But ESPN, though, Kartik, ESPN, I mean, if ESPN got the rights to the Premier League, it's almost game over. You, you know that most of those games would be on ESPN+, Plus. probably all the games on ESPN+. Plus. Just like with the uh, the Bundesliga deal, just like with the uh, La Liga deal, every single game available uh, streaming exclusively on on ESPN Plus, and that is a dream come true for a lot of soccer fans in this country. Um, for what six ninety nine a month, and yes, some of those games would be on ABC. Some of those games might be on ESPN. Some of those games might be on ESPN too, but most of them would be on ESPN Plus. And it's game over. I, I, I say that because, you mean, Peacock at that point just cannot compete. And then you look at uh, Paramount Plus, they have the Champions League, they have uh, Serie A, etc. But really then at that point, ESPN Plus would be, it's already a must-have, but it's a, it would be the go-to place to watch soccer. You'd have... The Premier League, you'd have La Liga, you'd have the Bundesliga, you've got uh, Major League Soccer games and, and a ton of other content on there from around the world. That would be the thing that would change everything. And and ESPN has the money. <laughs> you know, I mean, they have you mean know, they have they paid one point five billion for La Liga. How much would they pay for uh, for the Premier League? Maybe three billion. You I mean it, to me, it's worth twice as much as La Liga. Yeah, or at least twice as much in, in this country. And they would uh, also secure the Spanish language rights, which would, uh, uh, as we talked about at the outset of the podcast, I'm watching more Brazilian football and Argentine football than I previously did because there's going to be more of a, a flow of those players to the Premier League. And I think that will increase interest in uh, the Premier League among Spanish language fans, although the English side is really where um, the value is. But for the Premier League, can they afford to go from having 32 to 36 matches a year on over-the-air free-to-air television, which is on NBC Network television, um, to having maybe two matches a year on ABC, four matches a year? I, I, that, that's, so let's say NBC can't meet the $2 billion 
but they can put 1.5. They're willing to bid 1.5 billion dollars. Do you just automatically take the high higher bid from ESPN, or do you strategically think, you know what, we're we're, we're alone among soccer leagues in the U.S. having so many matches on network television. We are in the same sort of windows that college football and the uh, uh, NBA and Major League Baseball are in in terms of network television. You know, no one touches the NFL or or golf. Those are the two that have so much network television penetration. But we're in the windows with all these American sporting properties, NASCAR also, um, in terms of the number of network windows we get over the air, free to air on NBC network television. Do we want to give that up to be uh, a streaming property? Yeah, but uh, for five hundred uh, five hundred uh, million dollars more. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, that's the tough decision they're right. going to have to make. Maybe it's about the money, and then that's that. That NBC is not going to retain the rights. Well, but if they are actually looking at what is best for them, maybe they're best just sticking with NBC. Well, there's two things here. One is you look back at the 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 number of uh, viewers that have had that NBC has had over the air for the Premier League, and that number is pretty much plateaued, right? So you have, I don't know, if you had Liverpool against Manchester United at 12.30 Eastern time on NBC over the air, we know that that number of viewers for that game is probably anywhere from 1.1 million to about 1.4 million. And that number has stayed the same since the Fox days, when Fox had the rights and Fox showed games like that. So that number really hasn't changed. And even though... ABC would show fewer games over the air. Um, I, I, to me, the, 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 the TV side of, of the medium, it, it, it's a dying medium. You've got streaming, which is growing rapidly. The number of people cutting the cords, I mean, it, it, it's, it's massive numbers. And everything is moving towards streaming. This is a six-year deal. So six years from now, what are those over-the-air numbers on NBC going to look like? I mean, do they drop to from the 1.4 million kind of high to, you know, 900,000, which we saw last weekend, I think, for the uh, – I think it was that the Chelsea game was on, I think, against uh, Villa. And that was about, I think, 909,000 viewers, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. My argument is, is that uh, I think as we've seen – with the Bundesliga and how well they've promoted that on ESPN Plus, is that that's where everything is moving towards in terms of making it as easy to access ESPN Plus as it is to e- to access ABC, and 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 we don't get that with Peacock. And everyone doesn't have Peacock, right? It's only a select number of people that have it, and and even then, how many of them are actually interested in sports? I interviewed CBS last week. I interviewed the chairman of CBS Sports, Sean McManus, and I asked him the question. The question was, on a rating of uh, 0 to 10, how would you rate your interest level in uh, acquiring the rights to the Premier League? And uh, he, he laughed and said, good question, but uh, I'm not much of a betting man. But And, and then went on, on to talk about uh, how much they value the rights to Serie A, and to CONCACAF and, and all these different types of confederations and leagues that they have the rights to. But then he said, in regards to rights, we're open for business. We will look at any property that comes along. And he added, uh, the Premier League is a great property. I, I am, admire what NBC has done with it in this country. They've built it up and promoted it and produced it in a first-class manner. 
And according to my sources, um, they are interested in getting the rights to the Premier League. That they, they are in the process of uh, discussing or have had discussions with the Premier League about acquiring the rights. Now, whether they get it or not, or whether it's a ESPN or NBC comes through and figures out a way to, to make this work. CBS. I mean, if CBS gets the rights to the Premier League, then it's 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 almost game over then too, because CBS would have the Champions League and the Premier League, and that's really kind of the the two strongest properties when it comes to soccer, right? As, as far as the English language viewers go, you've you've got the two big ones right there, and and that changes everything. Then, so every everyone that doesn't have Paramount Plus will need to get Paramount Plus in order to have access to every single game of the Champions League and the Premier League. And, it, and it, it's game, game over there. The high, there's so much the high stakes Kartik involved in this Premier League deal. It's, 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 uh, it's massive. So, so does that then mean that ESPN has to play defense and say, you know what, we don't want, um, we don't want CBS gaining this on us and being the go-to place then for soccer. So what we're going to do is we're going to play defense and we're going to take the Premier League rights so CBS doesn't have them. Is that, is that, does that come into consideration? I think so. Yeah, to an extent, right? Because it it is a battle. It is a soccer streaming wars between CBS, which is really Paramount Plus, ESPN Plus, and Peacock is a smaller player. I mean, they've only got the the Premier League, they've got the WWE, but as far as the soccer side of things, they've really kind of not gone uh, deep in terms of trying to grow that. Um, but at the same time, yeah, so it, it is, I mean, this is a six-year deal. So to gobble up the rights to the Premier League, whoever gets it, that is a huge statement of intent. And, and, and especially when it's the most popular soccer league among, among uh, English-language viewers in the United States, that's massive. And then at the same time, Kartik, you have to look at Amazon. You look have to look at uh, players like that. So whether it's Amazon or Discovery Plus or HBO Max, or all these other media companies that know that if they acquire the rights to the Premier League and figure out a deal to acquire those rights, then that's the go-to place. I mean, we will, we will uh, no matter what streaming service it is, <laughs> right, we will go to that streaming service. We will uh, put, put down our money and say, okay, we want to subscribe to the service because we know that the games, we will go wherever the games go. And for a, a streaming company or a broadcaster, TV broadcaster, whoever it may be, that is some powerful uh, persuasion to get people to sign up for whatever your service or whatever your TV uh, company is. And how competitive the rights are right now, I mean, that, that's, this is the big daddy. This is the big daddy of soccer rights. And it's up for bid. And, you mean, normally, I mean, the, kind of, if you had to be a betting man maybe uh, 12 months ago, you probably would have bet that uh, the Premier League would have done a renewal deal with Comcast for another six years and just kept 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 it going. But I just remembered, Kartik, what my uh, second point was before about ESPN and, and just kind of all the factors involved in all of this is the European Super League. The European Super League. So you're going back to your initial question, which was uh, a couple of questions ago, which was, uh, do they go for the money or do they go for the the actual distribution? And say five years ago, uh, the Premier League would have said, OK, we want distribution. We want to be on over the air television. We want to be on streaming. We want to be on cable TV. We want to be everywhere. 
today, because of the European Super League and the pressure put on the Premier League by the chairman of Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester City, they are looking for as much money as possible. Grow that TV revenue sky high. We've lost a lot of money from because of COVID. You need to show us how much TV revenue you can you can bring in because we were so close to going with the European Super League and that massive amount of money that that they're going to be pushing into this. And and that's why I, th- I think in the past uh, the Premier League would have said distribution is number one, money's number two. Now it's flipped. Now I think it's money's number one, distribution is number two, and it's all about the money. So whoever puts in that massive bid, that number one bid, um, the most amount of money, and it could be anyone, Apple, Amazon, Comcast, ESPN, CBS, you name it, they will get that deal. Yeah, so I think um, that the bottom line is that MLS, while there's a lot of interest in MLS, and I think the the VP Seth Bacon is correct, um, we're going to have to see how this Premier League thing falls out before we really get a sense of of, of how it goes with MLS. And maybe if uh, yeah, if CBS takes the Premier League, ESPN feels like okay, now we need to double down, get uh, retain MLS and retain, as we talked about a little earlier. Uh, the U.S. Uh, men's and women's national team, right? So maybe it impacts ESPN's thinking in terms of those properties as well. Big time, big time. And, and, and that's what I was talk- talking about, the, the domino effect before, is that whoever gets the rights to the Premier League, that is going to change the, their thinking about Major League Soccer. Uh, and it's going to th- change the thinking of whoever lost the rights to the, to the Premier League. So who who came in second place and came so close but didn't quite get it. And they may have to double down on, on Major League Soccer, and those rights fees might go up. And then whoever's left there, they might say, okay, well, U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team, even though there won't be any World Cup qualifiers for those uh, for, the, for the men for 2026, very likely, um, we still need to be in that game. We need to, be, to double down on, on that and, and get in on that game because we missed out on the Major League Soccer rights and, and we missed out on the Premier League rights. So the timing of this is, is I mean, for the leagues itself is perfect. Uh, for, for us, the viewers and the soccer fans, it's, it's popcorn time. <laughs> Take out that popcorn and just watch along because, and, and of course, we'll cover this uh, every twist and turn, but this has huge ramifications on the future of watching soccer on television and streaming in this country, probably like any, n- nothing like ever before. Listener mailbag, Kartik. Let's move on to that. So uh, first up is Dave Roberts. Um, the only way, like holding a World Cup every two years, is if they reduce the number of competing nations to 16, like it was in the 1930s. That way, only the very best of the very best would be competing. So, Kartik, while I agree with Dave, what do you think FIFA's answer would be to that question, to, to that no, recommendation? They're, they're, their recommendation would probably be to expand. If we say that, that uh, that's an issue, they would expand it to 64 or 80 teams because then it would make qualifying less uh, less severe and reward uh, all these nations. Um, and, in fact, you and I sat in a press conference, uh, physically sat in a press conference, when Infantino said uh, basically – uh, something along the lines of we know from Asia, uh, 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 South Korea, Japan and Iran, they always make it. So isn't this unfair that Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and I, I can't remember 
other nations he named. I think Uzbekistan he named uh, never make the World Cup. So that's his thinking is, okay, well, Asia is really unfair because, yeah, it is always the same teams from Asia, right? Because mm-hmm. Japan, Japan, Iran, uh, South Korea, and Australia, since they joined the Confederations, so basically those four, uh, uh, more often than not. So, um, yeah, so that's their answer. It's like, oh, let's have 80 teams. Let's have 96 teams. Let's reward everyone. Let's make sure we split the money equitably. And the thing to remember about FIFA, Dave, is that it's, it is a uh, – um, people who, who argue in the U.S. that the Electoral College is anti-democratic. The Electoral College is hyper-democratic compared to FIFA. FIFA, Germany and Montserrat have the same amount of weight, same amount of votes. Think about that. Uh, Spain and uh, Papua New Guinea have the same amount of votes, right? right. I mean, I, so uh, the, 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 small, the, the, um, the island nations in CONCACAF have more of an influence – on proceedings than all of the major footballing nations in Western Europe combined. So just remember that. So yeah, yeah it's going to be, and it might end up being 80 teams. Who knows? 96 teams. Yeah, I can, I can see it happening. Adam says, uh, could you please define over the air versus linear TV for all of us streaming Luddites? So, uh, so over the air would be anything you can watch with a, what they used to call a rabbit ears, but is a, um, like an antenna. So if you, you know, no matter where you live in the United States, um, even without an, an antenna, if you switch on a television set that's not plugged into cable or not plugged into streaming, uh, you could actually flip through the different channels. And sometimes you can pick up a local channel. Now, the quality of that channel might not be the greatest, but if you did connect a, an antenna to that, you could pick up your local ABC, CBS, uh, NBC, etc. So there is a lot of, you uh, I mean, in places where... Um, there isn't a lot of cable television or satellite television um, or poor uh, broadband. Um, that does get you to get into the homes of more people. But li- linear television would be um, whether it's just traditional television. So whether it's uh, cable television or satellite television or you I mean, so that that's the difference there. When, when they talk about linear versus digital, digital would be the streaming side of things. Linear would be en- encompassing um, television, traditional television. Chris says, hi, guys. When it comes to a Peacock Paramount Plus joint bid for the Premier League, uh, which is what we talked about um, from Carl in last week's episode, I think it's certainly possible given the, co- the high cost of bidding on the rights individually. However, the main thing that could get in the way of this partnership is the ego of both companies. Comcast may not be willing to share rights of one of the major properties with another broadcaster. Um, if it means they get less games, lower revenue and lower ratings, and the same goes with Viacom. I really don't want the Premier League and fans uh, fans of it to end up in a similar situation to what baseball faced in the 1990s, in which NBC and ABC had the rights in a package they called the Baseball Network, where games were scattered all over the place because both networks could not split the rights evenly. While we're on this topic, my question to either of you is, do you see the upcoming merger between Warner Media and Discovery and the potential bundling of, ES- uh, of D- Discovery Plus and HBO Max as a more stable option for the Premier League should they decide not to go with either NBC or CBS? So I guess um, part of that is, is that they have to wait for the merger to be approved, right, between Warner Media and Discovery, which I'm, I'm sure it will be. But then there's... There are a lot of questions about Discovery Plus, whether it'll actually exist on its own, 
separate from HBO Max or whether there would be a bundle where you could get both Discovery Plus and HBO Max uh, together for you know, whether it's a lower price or easy way to access all of that content. But Kartik, do you think it might be a more stable option for the Premier League uh, if they don't go with NBC or CBS? Yes, I think HBO Max is, as I as I think I, I tried to at least articulate uh, earlier, is a pretty decent option if you're not um, and may have this huge upside uh, that we we don't know for sure, but it could really blow up the the, the importance of the Premier League in this uh, uh, in a good way in this country if you end up on HBO Max Discovery Plus. I'm not sure about, uh, but I think HBO Max would actually be. Uh, a good place, a good destination for the Premier League. Now, the question is then, do you get any broadcast windows with that? Does Do they stick matches on, on TNT um, or TBS? We know that there's apprehension about soccer after uh, at Turner Sports after what happened with uh, the Champions League and, and opting out of that early, uh, and, and as well as a number of other properties that they, they had acquired, soccer properties that they've now given up on. Uh, this having been said, you know, they still cover soccer in a bunch of other places uh, outside the U.S. market. So um, I, I think it's a pretty decent option. I, it wouldn't be my first choice if I'm the Premier League, but I think it might be a safe landing spot. Um, and it might be a case where you're hitching your wagon to something that's going to be very, very big uh, going forward. Uh, now, does it put you maybe at a short-term disadvantage versus La Liga and the Bundesliga and Serie A, given where where, where they are uh, you know, network-wise, ESPN mm-hmm. for the first two, and then uh, Serie A, obviously, on CBS? Uh, potentially, but uh, long-term, it may be a better place. Uh, I still think the, the overall preference should be to stay on NBC, but I – as like you, I mean, I'm kind of hedging on whether NBC is going to come up with a, a, a bid monetarily uh, along the lines of what ESPN, CBS, and maybe HBO Max or maybe AT and T, Time Warner are, are capable of. So that's why you have to look at these other options. Well, the thing about Discovery Plus, and probably a lot of the listeners are going like, eh, Discovery Plus, what the heck is that, and why should I care? Well, if they did acquire the rights to the Premier League, I think everyone would care. <laughs> we'd be forced to care. Cause we'd be like, okay, all right, we're going to sign up for the service. It's going to give us access to all the games. Some of these games uh, will probably be on television too. And Discovery is a massive company, right? Discovery owns in Europe uh, Eurosport, which is a, a massive uh, sports channel, and in the U.S. has numerous channels that they own. So they're a big player in the, in all of this, and um, that that certainly could be something that could happen. And, and I should mention that Discovery, uh, the the founding family of Discovery Networks, Hendri- the Hendricks family, were really kind of the driving forces behind professionalizing the women's game in this country. Uh, in the U.S., they were they were huge in that. So they have, uh, well, Discovery's not owned by them anymore. But it had the Discovery lineage has uh, soccer DNA both in the U.S. and in Europe. The thing about NBC Sports, though, is or NBC in general is it's a split personality. So you've got one side of the business that's the streaming digital peacock side, and then you've got the other side, which is your traditional um, television networks, and. But they're at war against it either. Well, not war, but they're, they're actually against each other. So Peacock would want to have more games and I'm sure would want to allow um, viewers the opportunity to watch those games. I mean, pick and choose as many games as you want to and watch all those games. 
but they're not they have the split personality on the tv side they're like wait wait wait, no 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 we need to have some of the games on, on nbc on on nbcsn and on usa network because we need to keep our cable uh providers happy our i mean everyone from you mean all the different cable companies and satellite companies out there so so that in many ways holds them back because um nbc or well, comcast would might say like why are we spending all this money? I mean, why are we going to spend $2 billion on the Premier League and still have something where, yes, it's going to satisfy our TV audience um, and partially satisfy our, our streaming audience? But, I mean, some of the other comp- competitors out there, I think, would say, okay, hey, CBS might say, okay, we'll, we'll pay $2 billion for it and we'll have every single game available on streaming and we'll have some of those games on television too. And that is to me a stronger argument i think i think nbc being a split personality and kind of trying to figure out how to keep both sides of the fence happy might end up paying less than cbs where cbs is very committed and very focused on on their strategy nbc strategy seems to be a little bit kind of it changes sometimes some of the games more on peacock but then they pull back and put more games on tv it's a it's an inner struggle within nbc and and Comcast really Comcast uh, you mean that's what they don't want people to cut the cords they, they want people to stay on cable and have Peacock and it's difficult to do both. All right, uh, Amanda Flores says uh, regarding Fox's uh, the discussion about Fox last week. Uh, I enjoy the podcast as always. We know that the Fox Studio is woeful, and also a big issue for me is the play by play in both Fox and CBS. It's not good enough. So many mistakes from CBS play-by-play and too much talking from Fox. CBS studio show is getting much better. And that was something we forgot to mention, too, in last week's uh, podcast is that U.S. uh, Honduras game. And while it was a good game, it was good broadcast, good pre-match, good post-match, good halftime, there was one major flub in that one, which we forgot to mention, and that was in the second half. Uh, if you were listening to the, the commentary, you would um, you would have thought that Josh uh, Sargent was playing in the second half because Sargent's name was mentioned several times in the beginning of the second half broadcast, even though he was substituted at halftime. Um, and sometimes it's difficult calling games off the monitor, but but the expectation level is sky high um, in terms of quality, as Amanda alludes to. Mercator says, I have YouTube TV and I got the sports package and it's not great at all. Being Sports Extra is free in many places, so that's meaningless. Other than that, you, all you get is the is the Being Sports English channel. I have not been able to get my YouTube uh, TV credentials to work on Being Sports Connect, so it's really just Being Sports English channel, and that's it. I wouldn't pay for that, uh, but it comes with NFL Red Zone, which I would pay for anyway. I would still recommend Fanatis if you all you care about is being sports, at least for soccer. Uh, Fanatis has being sports connect access and an Apple TV app. Um, Fox is terrible, truly terrible. Can anyone confirm that they will not go for the Premier League rights? That would be an absolute disaster. I cannot believe they would have the World Cup rights. Um, apparently, Alexi Lalas, of all people, was invited to some FIFA Legends event in Qatar. Uh, where all they talked about was how great a two-year World Cup would be. So much wrong with the situation. World Cup uh, 2022, presented by Fox and starring Alexi Lalas. Truly a dystopian situation for any fan. FIFA should fix that first before adding another World Cup. 
So Kartik, um yeah, that, that, it's it's funny, right? Because we haven't mentioned Fox in this discussion about the Premier League rights. Conceivably, why not? I mean, they could come back. They've got the money. They've got Tubi. They want to turn Tubi into um, a, a kind of a must-have uh, streaming service, and uh, they're starting to add sports to it. So why, why not the Premier League? <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, I didn't think about that. Um, yeah. Uh, now, Tubi is actually a great, great little service for, for, for free movies, etc. So... Um, I don't think Fox has the money. Uh, they've gone in, I think, on relatively low dollar commitments to sports uh, in in recent years. Uh, they gave up the USGA contract uh, in the middle of it, uh, and NBC took it from them. So they lost. Uh, they're out of golf completely. Fox and uh, the soccer properties they picked up have tended to be, I think, things that they've gotten for um, for relatively little money. Uh, this having been said, picking up Copa America. Uh, shows a level of commitment that um, we didn't think they had, even if it was a low-dollar property. Uh, I tend to think, though, if they were in to actually um, uh, acquiring soccer properties still, they would have prevented CBS from getting into CONCACAF strategically. They would have uh, taken – because they had a a very strong established relationship with CONCACAF via Gold Cup, which they broadcast now for – uh, since uh, uh, 2007 or 2005, and um, and and uh, Concacaf Champions League, which has generally been on Fox. I mean, it, it rotated off at one point, but has been there uh, in addition to some other Concacaf events. So, I um, I I mean, I guess it's possible, but I, I don't I, I don't put much into Fox for the Premier League. Yeah, Fox is a weird bird. I mean, in many ways, they operate in their own circle, and uh, which is outside of a lot of um, soccer circles, except for, I mean, of course, the World Cup and Women's World Cup and, and some of the big events. But if you're Fox, though, Kartik, and you're looking at the 2026 World Cup, I mean, you know that the 2022 World Cup is not going to be a massive uh, revenue generator for them just because of the timing of it, you mean, being played between November and December, trying to compete against some of these other sports. And, and uh, it's going to be difficult. I mean, they will they will broadcast it and they will do an okay job. But 2026 World Cup that they have the rights to, that that is the big, the big kahuna. And they will try to generate as much revenue from that as possible. So what would be the perfect lead-in for that? It would be the Premier League. I mean, if, if they get the MLS rights also as far as the American angle to play that up, but then if they got the Premier League and then use that as a vehicle to go ahead and try to promote you know, anything and everything World Cup, it is the perfect lead-in in terms of all the stars that are playing in the World Cup. The vast majority of them are playing in the Premier League, um, You mean for the most part. And that for Fox would be – that's a – Big time investment, and yes, you mean money wise, it's it's a lot of money. But um, if they want to make the the twenty twenty six World Cup the biggest success that they've ever had, that could be that would be the the entryway to to make that happen. That would be the kind of the, the door that they could go through to get the rights, be be considered now again a major soccer player, and then lead that into the twenty twenty six World Cup, and and then just go crazy. Dan N says, uh, whether it's NBC, CBS, NBC, or CBS, or somehow even ESPN, I would honestly be at peace with watching the Premier League on any of those, as long as it's not Fox. 
watching the quality of coverage on Fox hurts these days, especially comparing it to CBS and Paramount Plus and even NBC. It pains me thinking that the next two World Cups will air on Fox, including when the US hosts it in 2026. If only CBS got into the soccer business a little sooner. Fetchin says, uh, we talked about last week, um, joint bids um, about, um, I think, uh, yeah, talking about um, whether ESPN would team up with, say, a Fox or whether CBS would, I mean, any of those companies would team up together to try to split the rights. Fetchin says that a joint bid for the Premier League would not work since it would be hard to find matches for the games. I know the Premier League, um, at least, and I know with the Premier League, everything at least would be in one place with NBC. Also, I think NBC should keep the rights because ESPN Plus and Paramount Plus already have a soccer-established service and they need to grow the soccer leagues on what they already have. But I do think NBC should obtain more soccer leagues than just the Premier League and get the uh, also get the uh, Championship, English Football League and the Carabao Cup, basically the whole England soccer package, like how Paramount Plus has the whole Italian package and ESPN uh, Plus getting the whole Spanish and German soccer package. If they don't want them... If they, don't, if they don't want to, then the rights should go to someone else. But I don't see the Premier League leaving NBC anytime soon because if NBC were to increase the bid to, to obtain the whole England package for maybe six to seven years, then it's a win. Now with Ronaldo uh, is with Manchester United. Yes, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the rights. NBC does not uh, need to stream every single game on Peacock. Simulcast it with USA and NBCSN. Is one, is one of the only problems I have. Carl says, wow, I didn't expect such a huge discussion from my question uh, last week. Thank you. First off, Kartik, in reference to the Comcast-Hulu po- uh, relationship, Comcast has an option to cash out their 33.3% stake by 2024. You will see almost all NBC Universal stuff transition off in the interim because it's the pettiest relationship in media right now. Just some other general thoughts on Premier League rights and the streaming services. Disney ESPN is not going to partner with anyone for any European soccer property ever. They have the financial and brand muscle to take the full rights. And I'd be absolutely shocked if they have any interest in partnering with any of their smaller rivals. If ESPN is interested in the Premier League, they'll take the whole thing in English and Spanish in the U.S., and would almost certainly include a comprehensive package covering rights for Canada, renewing their uh, major incumbent Premier League rights-holding markets, India, Brazil, and Spanish South America, and potentially taking on the other star-plus markets. Number two, the new Premier League deal is very likely to to go for double what NBC has been paying for it. At this point, Com- at this point Comcast suits have to have a pretty good idea of what the Premier League can do for Peacock subscriptions. And I don't think they'll be, they'll justify paying double for a le- very limited number of new subscribers. As a result, I don't think NBC will retain Premier League rights on their own. I'll gladly take all the name-calling when I'm proven wrong, though. Number three, as evidenced by the Viacom-CBS-Sky partnership in Europe, Viacom-CBS is still primarily a cable uh, channel company, that just happens to have a major movie studio and absolutely prefers traditional cable to die slowly, not quickly, just like Comcast's preferences, who still largely need Americans and Europeans to pay for Xfinity and Sky, 
respectively while both companies try to figure out their streaming products. And then number four, I'm not saying I think Paramount Plus and Peacock are absolutely going to partner for Premier League rights, but I think between those two and whatever comes of HBO Max and Discovery Plus, there are marketing partnerships that could more effectively counter Disney than standalone services that don't require mergers and acquisitions. I do believe Paramount Plus and Peacock are the most logical partners for this at present. And then also more of a long-term thought, but I think you will see the investor focus on these companies shift from subscriber growth at any cost towards how's the profitability in the next year or so. Disney is expected to be profitable on each of Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus by about September 2023. And as it gets closer and more clear, I don't think Wall Street will be very kind to companies that haven't hit streaming break-even four years after launch. So again, uh, some really good feedback there for Carl. And uh, we know, I mean, just kind of kind of end on this note, but we know that ESPN Plus has very aggressive subscriber growth numbers uh, that they're going after. We know that Paramount Plus also has extremely aggressive subscriber growth numbers that they're trying to get as many subscribers to that service also as... Uh, are, are a lot of these other services too, but the Paramount Plus and the ESPN Plus, I think, have a lot more ex- aggressive st- uh, uh, goals than, say, Peacock does. I think, in many ways, not to say that that NBC won't get the deal, but um, having it open for bid is open season because now we'll see what CBS offers, we'll see what ESPN offers, we'll see what NBC offers, and then. Outside of that cortic, Amazon could come in and say, "Hey, psh, this this is peanuts to us, right? That we, we'll we'll bid four billion or three point five billion, whatever it may be." Apple might come in and say, "Like, ah, yeah, it's, that's peanuts to us too. We've got large uh, sums of cash, uh, billions of dollars of cash in the bank. Yeah, we'll go ahead and be all of a sudden a major sports player for streaming with our Apple TV Plus service." The possibilities, Kartik, <laughs> are, are incredible to consider. Or it may stay with NBC Sports and they may, they may renew it. And it's, it's Peacock and USA Network and NBC for, for another six years. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, USA Network, again, uh, we've, we've touched on how many uh, homes USA Network is in in the last few episodes. What we have not touched on is that USA Network in 2019 and 2020 had the biggest decline, not in homes it was in, but in viewership, or one of the biggest declines among cable networks. Again, uh, as she just mentioned, Comcast is very focused still on uh, on cable. They may see the Premier League as a way to prop up uh, USA, give USA some more live programming. Uh, they had they been a well-rated channel, and movie reruns and, uh, and TV show reruns uh, – have tended historically to get better ratings. Uh, this was, the, I think, the dilemma with Turner also showing the Champions League on TNT. Uh, have tended to get better uh, ratings than soccer at times. Uh, but we're in a new paradigm, and they probably need the live programming. And the fact is, now that you have so many on-demand movies and television programs on streaming services, the historic business models of TNT, TBS, and USA, among other channels, are uh, not that viable anymore. So. That is a possibility. USA, I think if uh, NBC renews the rights, it probably is because of USA. 
Yeah, I mean, USA definitely, like, like you said, has a, a large number of subscribers. Uh, that's a very high-profile channel, even though, I mean, for me, the only time I watch the USA Network is on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern for two hours. But for the large majority of mainstream America, that is a massive channel that's available, you mean, in, in most most homes. And and, it, and these things change so quickly. I mean, th- these things, I mean, right now, I'd say the two hardest prospects to get the Premier League rights uh, outside of kind of a something happening from Amazon or an Apple, Apple uh, would be it, it would be between CBS Sports and ESPN. And I think NBC Sports definitely is going to put in an offer and they will be interested and they will say, hey, look at all this great stuff that we've done. Look at all this great stuff we will continue to do. I just even though Comcast has a ton of money, too. I just feel that um, that splits between cable, trying to satisfy the cable audience and also trying to satisfy the streaming audience makes things a little bit more complicated uh, for that company, while ESPN Plus and Paramount Plus have a lot more of a focus on on what they're trying to do. Um, And it's all about the streaming. And and this is a a big component of that. So I'd say those are the two hot favorites right now, CBS and ESPN Plus. What about you, Kartik? I mean, and this changes differently day to day. And also, this now goes into a different category because this goes into, uh, you mean, your CFOs, your accountants, your, you mean, you're dealing with billions of dollars. You have investor investors. You mean, this is kind of almost outside of the sports side of things because it all depends on, you mean, them looking at the ROI and trying to figure out, okay, what, what is this going to generate for us? Um, and, and and when it gets to bidding, crazy things happen. But who would you say right now are your two kind of hot favorites? Probably same uh, NBC to retain or ESPN to take it. But no CBS. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'd say CBS is third. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we know that uh, next week in England, in a meeting between uh, all of the Premier League clubs, uh, they usually get together um, a few times through the years. Uh, through the year, they will have the uh, the chairman and chairwomen and chairpersons uh, meet together, and they will discuss the U.S. media rights deal and discuss um, anything, any bids that they've received, as, as well as any kind of uh, presentations, etc. And may uh, usually these things take a while. So even if with open open bid, the opening round of bidding, it usually goes through a couple of different rounds. Um, this will be this will be fascinating to be a, a fly on the wall, Kartik, in those meetings. <laughs> I'm sure we would probably laugh at some of the, the the assumptions that are made, but it would be really, really revealing. Yeah, yeah, and I, and, and it's going to be very, very interesting because the Premier League uh, coming out of a pandemic and uh, coming off a, a domestic rights cycle where. Uh, Really, uh, if not for Amazon, they wouldn't have uh, Amazon taking one of the six packages. They would not have increased the uh, the value from the previous domestic package. Now, the international rights continue to to double and triple exponentially over time. Yeah. Um, they um, they're and a new ch- uh, chairman. Or this is the first time they uh, have a new uh, ch- uh, chair of the uh, yep. of the Premier League. That's Richard not Masters. Going to these, yeah, yeah, yep. I mean, Masters, right? And not Richard Scudamore going into. Uh, um, to uh, uh, this negotiation, uh, it's going to be very, I think, pretty telling uh, as to if there's a strategic shift or, or, or uh, if it's going to be the same old, same old. Uh, I, I think certainly the league with 
the outflow, as we talked about, just from a football standpoint of uh, of transfers from the continent onto uh, into uh, the Premier League, probably are feeling their their oats, so to speak. Uh, old American expression about uh, where they are relative to the rest of the football world, but mm-hmm. um, critical negotiations still. Yeah, the timing of the Ronaldo signing, I'm sure the Premier League uh, executives were just j- jumping uh, for joy, as well as the other Premier League clubs were probably saying like, hey, this could be our ticket to uh, even greater revenue and, and value of those rights. And um, yeah, and, and remember too, most of, a lot of these clubs that are in the Premier League have American ownership or Amer- American executives. Uh, Bruce Buck at, at Chelsea. I mean, you go down the list, there's a lot of executives going to be in this room next week talking about uh, the bidding for the U.S. media rights to the Premier League for for a major deal coming up soon. So so, st- so stay tuned to worldsoccertalk.com for sure. Uh, we will break any story as soon as we get the information. There's a lot going on here. Um, so in closing... Uh, if you if you do uh, have any feedback, questions, comments, um, we appreciate you stay, sticking with us. We got, went through a lot of information in this podcast. We want you to we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, before we go, uh, where can listeners uh, find you on, on Twitter if they want to kind of read about uh, what, what you're tweeting about in terms of whether it's German League, Premier League, you name it, or South American League or elsewhere? Ah, we lost Kartik, but it, it is KKFLA737. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. Not bad. KK for a minute. KKFLA. KKFLA 737. There you go. All right. All right. All right, everyone. Thank you so so much for listening. Uh, Kartik heading into a major week of soccer from around the world, as well as a major week for uh, the the soccer TV rights and streaming rights business. Um, what are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.